everyone, and welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, a podcast for artists who are ready to reach greater heights in their art careers. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, founder of Visionary Art Collective and New Visionary Magazine. Join me for inspiring conversations with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm chatting with Camille Miles. I'm so excited. Camille is a multidisciplinary artist from Tiny, Ontario. And in addition to her art career, Camille is also a conservation activist, a mother, and an educator. Welcome, Camille. Hello. So nice to be here. So nice to have you. I know. I can't wait to dive in. And, you know, we connected over... Instagram, social media, and I've just been so in love with the work that you create and all that you do. There's actually so many facets to your creative practice. So I can't wait to dive in today. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to go along with this crazy journey of being an artist with you and explaining a little bit where it all started. Yes, and it certainly is a crazy journey. Oh, yeah. Um, So just tell us about how it all started for you. I know that you mentioned your mother was an art teacher, and so I'm imagining that you had a very creative childhood, but just tell us all about it. Yeah, so I thought everyone had access to paints and pottery and a kiln and all those things, but um, even I, I was doing lino cuts when I was maybe even five years old. So I was always deep into art and I remember even having a a painting practice um, in the backyard of our um, home where, you know, I'd I'd go outside and do some plein air painting. Uh, So I was always an artsy kid. Uh, I always felt very connected to art. I started, you know, winning all the competitions when I was in high school and I felt really connected to like a creative journey. So I decided to go into college and university in art. So I did that. I moved away from home. So I was living in the Ottawa region of Canada, like the capital. And I went and lived in Montreal to go to like the best art school there. After that, I I also won like this big national, well, I was finalist with this big national art competition. I think I was like 19 years old. And that was almost overwhelming because they toured around the paintings and there was big exhibitions. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I am an artist now. This is great. And then I decided to go to uh, university doing my BFA in art. And I really expanded then. I think it was really good for me uh, to experiment with different media. So I did a lot of installation, video work, painting, Uh, lots of sculpture. And that's what I think was really great about my education that I had a little bit of everything. And I loved everything. And I kind of still do in my practice. And I I love that. But then it came time afterwards of deciding, oh, should I do an MFA? I think a lot of people can relate to that. It's like, okay, I should do it. And I got into a beautiful art program in uh, Montreal, uh, one of the top art schools for the MFA. And that first day I sat down and 
we had interviews with everyone and everyone was talking about their journey as an artist and explaining their vision. And it came to me and I was like, well, I still love everything. I don't know. I think I don't have enough life experience and I need to rediscover myself. So I actually, I put a hold on that. And I said, no, after the first day of that MFA, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to become an archaeologist (laughs) and go and discover something different, have new experiences. So I left and I did some archaeology in England and then worked as a conservation activist in Rome and I moved around and I just wanted to rediscover myself. And I think that's what I did. I I wanted to see what I was interested in because I think your art becomes more powerful and has more depth if you can have these life experiences too. Many artists are, I guess, lonely creatures in a way. You know, we, we get comfortable in our studios, alone with our thoughts. And I think that's great, but I was missing that like connection. And I think actually you talk about this, Victoria, eh? after like you wanted a sense of community after art school. And I did feel very deflated after art school because I didn't have like a strong sense of an art community. So I, uh, yeah, I wanted to experience different things and I did. And I got into conservation activism and became a park superintendent here, a national park superintendent, which was a little crazy, uh, and then had uh, three kids. And I always had like art on the side. So exhibiting my work, I was into little galleries, but I wasn't as, I didn't feel I was as experimental or even bold in my work. And I didn't take that many chances. So I I kept it fun, light, because that's what I needed at the time. So yeah, going now, I feel like I'm a re-emerging artist, if that (laughs) makes sense, because I, you know, three kids later, and now I've done some large scale public art sculptures but I, uh, I really decided to be, I'm very involved with my community. I wanted to make art for my community. I wanted to make art with my kids and I needed that time. So I needed to put a pause on my conservation career and get back to, for me, for, it was my basics, you know, it was who I, I am and I haven't figured out exactly perfectly my voice in, in terms of my art. You know what? That's that's constant. We're always discovering. And I think I don't want to limit myself either. So that's why I still love doing doing it all. And I'm showcasing that in my art. So I guess now I I've been a full-time artist for a year. So it's like my anniversary <laughs> right now. Yeah, so that's uh, that's my journey so far. A, a beautiful journey and a multifaceted journey. And I mean, you actually just touched on so many really important things as well because it's it's really important that as artists, we honor all of our interests, all of our passions, 
you know, I think this goes back to the starving artist myth, which is like, you know, part of that myth is that you are just working tirelessly on your creative practice and you are not engaging with anything else. Like you're giving your life to it. And there's this like sense of self-sacrifice, you know, in order to become this, you know, world renowned artist, you have to give everything to it. And I just think it's so extreme. Like, you know, I, I really appreciate how you had this moment and you honored it where you were like, getting this MFA is not for me. I have another interest that is going to allow me to travel and to do all these things that I want to do. And actually it's going to make me a better artist if I follow that calling. I think we can all take like a nugget of wisdom uh, from that because we have to honor all, all of the things that we love. Life is so short. And for many artists, art is one of many passions (laughs) that they have. And it's really beautiful to hear how you are returning to your art practice now with all of these amazing experiences, having lived in different countries, like having just this robust, I don't want to say resume, but (laughs) sort of like a robust resume of experiences under your belt. It's probably completely changed your approach to making art, you know, at this point in your life. So it has, and I needed time to pause and reflect about it. And one of the best things I did this year to create that change in my mind was to do an art residency. So I really recommend artists do at least like it's, it doesn't have to be a a full blown residency that you have to apply for. You can do that, of course. And that's what I did. Um, However, if, even if you did a retreat on your own. And it doesn't matter how long. Uh, Of course, if it's, I would say two weeks plus, then you really get into a practice and uh, you let yourself create in a different way. Uh, That's, that's the best. But if you can steal some moments or even a day or two days, or see if you can carve out that time, Um, Because a a residency really helps you engage with other artists, yes, really focus on yourself. And what I did, um, I realized I'm so connected to nature and conservation. um, And I did this residency, um, Victoria, BC on Vancouver Island, where there's a lot of old growth forests. And I went to um, these uh, sites, the deforestation sites, and I was completely shocked and in awe and, and physically even it changed me because what they do is, is they cut down the trees and then they burn everything. And as a conservation manager, I, I knew that. And what I did was like collect charcoal from that site and did a whole drawing installation. Uh, but I let myself do this. You know, I gave my myself permission that this was okay. I wasn't there, this installation wasn't like sellable necessarily, but it was, I went back to my, um, local, local community and went to the public art gallery and I gave a proposal say, I want to do this installation. Can I have some wall space? Right. And then took some beautiful photos, did also a performance, a drawing performance. So I'm pushing my limits and I, it stemmed from a pause 
I knew I was connected again with one of my passions was conservation and nature, that deforestation shock to, I wanted to embrace that and then how to bring that to another, like a gallery space, but also I don't want to say prove to myself that I am an artist, but a little bit where it's like, well, I can do this. I don't know how exactly it'll turn out or, but it was beautiful during the performance. I had visitors from the Broken Forest Art Collective. It's an international art collective and artists and curators and scientists coming together to talk about old growth forests and the power of nature. And then it's amazing because they invited me to participate in this collective now. And we're going to Brazil next year. So, you know, these, you never know when a little spark of, okay, I need to some time off without my family just to focus on art and then experience something that I'm connected to. So passion for conservation and see where it will lead me in the future. You know, I, I don't know where this continued body of, of, of work will go, but I know that it will lead me, I, I'm trying to trust myself that it will lead me to something new and it's okay. Like an idea will come in the future. You know, I think you, you love, uh, of course, Big Magic. And that was one of the books that really got to me as an artist because it's okay. Yes. These ideas, you just embrace it, that an idea will come. You have to catch it. And you catch it and you just go for it. I always wanted to do a performance and I felt like, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I can do this. I'm a little shy. I'm a little introverted. Well, it doesn't really show, but some, sometimes I can be introverted. <laughs> and I just wanted to embrace that and say, yeah, okay, let's, let's try this performance. And it went so well, had media coverage, and now I'm part of an art collective. So you never, you just, you just never know. And it can be really beautiful just to go for it. That's the life of an artist, I guess. Yes. Yes. And I, I think it's really inspiring that you are staying, that you continue to stay so open because it's very easy as artists for us to really get so specific with what we're working on and to kind of stay in that realm of specificity. And, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, I think it's always important to be creating cohesive work, but there is a balance because if you find that your work is, you know, limiting you, then that is actually really problematic for your creative practice. And I just really appreciate artists like you who stay so open and, you know, you have this concept in mind, but you're like, how can I explore this through performance, through, Diff using different mediums and disciplines. Uh, and it's so beautiful. And it's probably, I would imagine, such an amazing learning experience for you as well. And just, it's like big magic. Yes, it is probably my favorite book of all time. It is so impactful. But I love how Liz Gilbert in the book encourages artists, writers, really any type of creative to just go for the go for those ideas and to not be held back by fear or these intrusive thoughts of like well I haven't done this before so maybe I should just stick to what I know it's i think one of the healthiest things that you can do for yourself as an artist is to branch out and just stay open to 
pursuing different kinds of of creative work because it can look like so many different things. You know, it doesn't have to look like one thing. About that, I do have a little story about, you know, how if you haven't done something before, you still have to go do it. So how I re-emerged as an artist while I was still on maternity leave uh, from being a park superintendent, I wasn't sleeping much. I wasn't feeling myself because I wasn't creating enough. There was this public art call in our community uh, for looking for artists to do a sculptural installation in town. And a friend of mine sent it to me through social media. And I looked at it as like, I've never done a large scale public art sculpture. I have no idea. But she's like, you know, you're an artist. You should do this. You should do this. And I went to bed and I'm like, no, this is, I'm, I, I haven't done this before. I've never, I don't, I don't know. In the middle of the night, I had to go, you know, feed my baby. I came back and an idea just came to me. It just, it, it was, it was pure magic. It came to me. And that night I wrote a whole proposal for a sculptural installation that I didn't know how to make. And I, I just had this vision. I, I drew, I made sure that it was kind of possible in, in terms of possibly with engineering. Um, and then I decided to uh, send the proposal in and they loved it. And they said, yes, you know, but can you make this happen? I'm like, I, of course I can make this happen. You know, so I just, I just, not that you have to fake it to make it, but sometimes it helps. Um, and I said, and I was, I was confident in my idea. I just needed the right who. So I needed the right person or like people to make this happen. So really luckily, locally, there's this um, really great company that works with artists on large scale public art sculptures and they do it internationally. They've worked with Douglas Copeland and all kinds of like big international artists and they're here locally. And I just went to them and say, Oh, can you make this happen for me? Can you help me? And they have this steel studio. So I went to the studio, worked with them and have uh, worked with an engineer and made it happen. So then a few months later, I had a public art sculpture in the middle of our downtown and with press coverage and everyone actually, it went perfectly. And it was right before the pandemic hit. So it was, it was just like a beautiful way for me to, to put a mark in my community, but also um, give myself confidence that this is something that I'd like to do in the future and that people, other people appreciate my work and my vision. So that was the first of a new me, I think. And because I just decided to do something that I've never done before again. And I think you have to just trust that you're a creative person and um, of course, I've done a lot of like proposals since then, and it's not always like positive and easy. And I'm not saying it was easy before, uh, but I have had some really successful murals and I've 
another large scale public art sculpture that I collaborated with another artist um, to create because again, I had my third baby and I had, I didn't have a lot of time. I didn't know how to make it happen. I had an idea, but I needed another artist to just work things out. And we decided, yeah, okay. And she was another mother artist, like a female artist. So uh, locally here, and we kind of collaborated so we can like build each other up and um, strengthen what we were proposing as well. And that one went really well as well and unveiled in 2021 um, in the summer. And that again, like gave me a push to really pursue this more uh, professionally. And it also permitted me to uh, have almost like a, a reputation uh, instantly with my community. So people know me and I just have to introduce myself as an artist now. So people know me more as an artist than anything else in my like past, like professional career. Um, and that is something that I always wanted. Um, and I feel like super passionate about as well. So, you know, you never know when a something can change your, the course of your life and uh, you have to go for it. And if an idea comes to you, just see what happens. You know, it doesn't, it might, might not lead you exactly to where you wanted, wanted to lead you, but it'll change yourself inside. And then maybe somewhere it'll be more fitting somewhere else. I love that story. I feel so inspired by it. And I think it just reinforces the idea that we just need to trust ourselves because I think half the time what happens, and I'm sure you've experienced this at some point, I for sure have experienced it, where we have this grand idea, we get so excited, and then we think, oh, there's no way I can do this. And we imme immediately retract and pull back and like go back into our shell. But actually, it's in those moments that we choose to trust ourselves because it really is a choice. It is a decision to trust yourself. Even if it feels so scary, like I can't even imagine how you must have felt <laughs> when you submitted that first proposal. And I'm sure you had many moments of, can I actually make this happen? But the, the beautiful thing about us as humans and as artists, we're especially good at creative problem solving, is that when it comes down to, down to the wire and our back is up against the wall, we always find a way. And sometimes we actually have to be in those moments. And I've experienced this so many times with, since launching BAC, where I've committed to something that felt absolutely terrifying but I've pushed myself to do it. And then in that moment where I had to deliver, like we find it in ourselves, we find a way to deliver. And so I think the more you practice that, the more confident you become. Uh, but it really just comes down to trusting that you are fully capable. And, you know, there's a mantra that I started saying to myself around the time that I launched VAC, which is very similar to what, what you were talking about now which is I just started to look at other really successful artists, creative entrepreneurs, really anyone that was just going for it and living their dreams. And I would, for the first time, start saying to myself, well, if they could do it, why can't I? You know, I don't have, I'm not lacking anything that they, um, that they have. Like, I have all of those capabilities as well. And when you start to really 
understand that and really feel it, you realize that you you do have what it takes. Um, and it just comes down to this uh, push that you give yourself to, to really trust and and just kind of like an inner knowing that you can do it. But I love that that so much. And I love, again, just this openness, the public art and the performance and painting. And just, it, I think it's really, it's even inspiring me to think about other ways that maybe I could communicate some of my own ideas outside of painting. Um, I wanted to also chat with you about your work as an educator, because I know that's something really close to your heart. And can you tell us a little bit about that and how that journey began? Yeah. So as you know, and we talked about, my mother was a high school art teacher and uh, also a watercolorist. So always painting and we were painting together a lot. So that really affected me. But at the same time, of course, when you're growing up, you want to rebel against your parents. And of course, I, I'm going to be a, a full-time artist and not a teacher, you know? So I was really adamant about not teaching for a long time because um, I think there's this, uh, there's this feeling, especially for artists or when I did art school that um, teachers are, and it's a myth, of course, uh, that teachers didn't make it as artists. So if you can't make it as an artist, you become a teacher. I find that like, a little sad now reflecting upon that because I, I think that um, what's beautiful about art classes and teaching either kids or adults, that it feeds your creativity as an artist. I can see that now that I'm doing these after school programs in for, for kids and they're just, they, they never judge others and they rarely, and they really don't think they compare themselves. Um, so those are really good lessons for me. And we have this um, motto now in the class that there's no such thing as a mistake. There's always happy accidents, of course. I kind of like the Bob Ross thing, but a little bit. But it's it's been a mantra now for them where they explore and not all the art that comes out of the classes are, you know, frameable because that's not what I'm, I'm believe in. I really believe in just exploring, introducing them to a, a medium. And what I do to do that, I kind of start with talking about an inspirational female, usually female artist, most of the time living that has accomplished a lot or has gone through a really interesting media or process. And then we experiment from there. Um, and then they get to know other artists, right. Then the, the Picasso, Metis or Van Gogh, or, and of course we like brush a little bit and we talk about those artists or they know of them, but now that, you know, they know about Frida Kahlo and Louise Bourgeois, you know, we created these really cool spiders based on that. So those, those things, that's what I, I thought was really important in my practice to be more open and to embrace the mistakes, uh, to experiment and of course, that's again, going back to, I've never done that before, right? I've never done that before. 
but people in our, my area, there wasn't much in terms of art education. There's a lot of focus on sports, of course, after school and parents like put their kids into, you know, great sports and they spend a lot of money, but there's always a creative kid in a, uh, in a family. So I thought that was an opportunity to just bring some of my knowledge about different media and the art world and in terms of something that they can understand. So that's like my education for kids. And that has like now the interest has, uh, I can't go, I can't keep up with the demand. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but uh, I'm full, full, full with classes now. So I have to reimagine maybe a new uh, creative way to offer those um, classes. So that's going to be new. I trust an idea will come and I'm working towards that. And for adults, one of the things I'm really passionate about is um, art really helped me for my mental health, right? And uh, getting out of a lot of funks. So I really believe in that power of, you know, building connection with, uh, especially with women and providing a space for that. So I, I've done um, some hike and paint events. So I started doing that and I will do some more in the future. But I think this is a really cool model because I, I went back to what am I passionate about? What do I like? I absolutely love having a visual journal. So a visual sketchbook with me and go plein art painting. And these moments are just for me. They're not part of my, you know, practice in exhibitions or for a solo show that I'm preparing, or they're not for sale per se, but these sketchbooks are a little bit of a visual diary and they are super (laughs) meditative. Um, And they get, get me into another like flow state. And then I hike usually. So I wanted to bring that experience to others. And I got a grant because I, I wanted to offer this. And I was talking to a, an organization that helps women that have um, experienced violence in the home or um, that are in need of support. And uh, they, they, they love the idea so much because I wanted to bring a group of women together that they, you know, they paid for all my supplies and uh, they paid for everyone to go so I could offer it for free. So, you know, you never know when an idea, I just had this idea. I just talked to this organization that already was volunteering at, and then they said, yes, just do it. And then it was, I had um, my first one had more than 20 participants and they all, had like this magical experience in the fall, you know, with the leaves and it was just great. So I think uh, that's something, again, you, you do something new and it is a little bit scary. You don't know how much, you know, I was, I was a little worried. Like, oh, the supplies are going to be expensive. But then oh, all of a sudden, you know, a grant came and I just trusted that that's, that's what was going to happen. Um, So that was really beautiful and I want to do it again. So that's part of my art education, like roster. And I I, I don't really believe in, some people do the paint by numbers thing too, and that's okay. Um, But for me, I'm really trying to get participants of my classes to um, create their own voice and really 
embrace the mistakes, embrace the just experimentation of the media that you're using. And I think that's really important. So everyone ha- comes out of it with like a different painting or experience or sculpture, or whatever it is. So that's, that's kind of important to me. That's beautiful. And I think you know, the, the idea of instead of teaching your students step-by-step step what to make, guiding them to create what they really want to create and to kind of pull that from deep within themselves is the most powerful approach to teaching anyone, children, teens, adults, like, you know, that that's more meaningful. Um, and I, I really love what you said. I just want to return to this moment for a second because you mentioned having your own sketchbook or just some part of your creative practice that is really kind of for you. It's something that I'm really leaning into right now personally in my art practice. And I think that it's, it's a a lot of that has been inspired by artists that I've spoken with on the podcast or had these conversations with, but, you know, I think it's really helpful as artists to have two branches to our creative practice. And I've talked a little bit about it before, but what you said really just brought me back to this, which is, you know, you might have the work that you put out that you, um, I often just call it like your professional body of work that you love making and is very deeply connected to all that you want to do and say. And, but you know, it's, you're posting it on your website, you're sending it to galleries, you're selling it. I think it's also so important and really helpful for us creatively to have a place where we're creating things, sketches and doodles and whatever it might be, where we are really leaning into making mistakes, experimenting, trying new things. It's okay if nobody sees that or if just a select number of people see that, because really it's just for us to work through some of those new ideas. I think that's like if you have both of those things happening simultaneously, I think that you will feel very creatively fulfilled. (laughs) So I love that you do that. And I also love just your approach to teaching as well, because I think that when you are teaching, it's this mutually beneficial relationship where you are teaching your students and they're learning from you. But like you said, their creativity is feeding your creative practice. So in turn, you are also benefiting. And it's like, the most beautiful thing I think there is in the world (laughs) when that happens. So I really appreciate that you are doing that and just your philosophy and approach as well. Well, I think it's like over time and it's a lot of journaling too, but what is my philosophy? Right. And I, I'm seeing, I'm being inspired by other artists. Yes. But you have to like put a pause on that and really do some introspection. And that's, that's part of that journaling, but also that visual journal or the, that sketchbook. If anyone is interested in doing that, it's the, it's a really, it's a deep connection to who you are and you never know where it's going to lead you. I actually did this Planaya session after Um, visiting the old growth forests and and seeing that I was actually really physically ill and I needed a break. So what I needed to do is paint. I knew I needed to paint outside. So I went to the ocean, I painted outside and then I saw the landscape in a different way. And I started painting the landscape as crying And that sparked a whole new collection. And that 
I, I guess it's more my um, commercial work and what has been really popular, I guess, in terms of selling in my art. And I feel really connected to that body of work. And it's still watercolor. I experimented with uh, new po paper and it's still the process where I paint a, like an abstracted landscape and that I, I move it um, with a lot of water so that it feels like it's crying out. And that really stemmed from that feeling of plein air painting after visiting that old growth forest and just being like inspired saying, okay, this is, this is what I need to do. Right. So now in the new year, I have a collection coming out with PXP contemporary and um, I have uh, a few other exhibitions based on that work. And I'm still like experimenting with that. I see where it's leading me. So I do things based on like collections and bodies of work um, that feel still cohesive. And I think we talked about this before. Um, I, I've taken your, your uh, artist statement class. I, I really appreciated that because I dawned on me, an artist statement for me is actually really difficult because I'm so multidisciplinary. And I embrace that about myself. Maybe, you know, for um, a gallery that would want to represent me, and of course that would be fantastic, you know, it wouldn't be all facets of my practice, but how do I really write about it and build that cohesion overall? Um, I found that the best thing would be is because I, I do this in collections or a thought, I really go through a process with um, my bodies of work. So I write about the bodies of work instead of the overall. I do have an overall that's that's more general that's on my website, but uh, I found it very, it's, it even strengthens the work um, if I write about that certain collection or that body of work um, as its own, you know? Um, so then I, it's easier for me then to apply for opportunities with that cohesive um, artist statement just for that body of work. And it's related to my overall statement, but yeah, so that's a little bit of a, a tip for others. If you are um, kind of multidisciplinary and, or you want to just experiment with other media, I think it's like giving you that permission to do that and experiment and see where it leads you. You don't, you, you don't know where um, that great idea will come or if you fall in love with a certain process. I love that. And I, I think it's a really important approach as well to when it comes to writing about your work, focusing on specific bodies of work to write about. It's much easier. And a lot of multidisciplinary artists ask me, how do I approach my artist statement if I have so many different collections? But really it's, you know, honing in on each individual collection. And like you said, writing about that, focusing on that. And then to, when you're writing your overarching statement, finding the commonalities, because there are always common threads, even our collections that we create that feel quite separate. If you look closely, you can almost always find connections there. And 
like, I think you kind of touched on this too, but something really beautiful happens. Like we write artist statements often because we need them for proposals, for our website, like for submissions. But I find that anytime I sit down and so many artists have shared this with me too, um, to write about my work, you know, I go in with like, okay, let me just write something good so I can have it. Like I need it. But all of these aha moments happen throughout the writing process where you're like, oh, this is what I'm trying to do. Or, oh, I didn't fully realize I was doing this. Like all the things that we are thinking about, but are kind of, it's hard to even put it into words, but when we're creating, it's almost like an autonomous process where we're painting like from our subconscious, not, not every approach to making art is like that, but a lot of times. And when we sit down to write about the work, I think we really gain a deeper understanding of what it is we're actually trying to do. So I always encourage artists, like just write about your work, even if you don't need the statement, if you can get into a practice of just taking notes. And it's actually something that I need to get better about myself (laughs) Uh, and something I'm working on as well, because it's not like super intuitive, I think, for all of us to have a consistent writing practice. But it really can lead to so many beautiful revelations that you might have about your work and also might spark new ideas. So I love that you journal and that you have this writing practice as well. I think it's really healthy and it just complements your artistic process. It's been quite a journey to do that. But building cohesion is something I do think a lot about and what that string is. And sometimes it's actually some other person or, you know, get that feedback from another artist or a friend or someone that knows your work as well, because sometimes they see things differently about yourself and say, oh yeah, I can see the tie in everything that you do. Like, oh, what is that? You know, (laughs) can you tell me more? And just let them uh, talk about it and give the impression. So sometimes, you know, it's hard to write about your own work. Like we're visual, that's why we're visual artists, right? We can speak visually about things. And when I was in art school, um, there was a philosophy of, well, you you just present your work in critiques and it should speak for itself. You don't have to write about it. You're a visual person. And that was really hard because afterwards I didn't have practice to write proposals or to speak about my work. We hardly did that in art school. So now I'm actually enjoying and embracing writing about my work and saying, you know, it is complimentary and let's see where it goes, you know? And I think that's, that's a little, another little tip for other artists. If you're, if you want work to speak for itself, it's, that's fine. But, you know, telling your story through your art and then seeing where it'll lead you, lead you. Yeah. And, and I had a similar experience in art school as well. And actually, as you were describing it, I was like, why didn't they have us write about our work? <laughs> like, why was that not part of the curriculum? Um, maybe that would be more natural to my process now if I had that kind of practice uh, embedded into my art school experience. But yeah, I think the more you can practice writing about your work, the more you can practice talking about the work, it also builds connection. So 
there are times when you view a painting or any artwork and you just fall in love with it, like no story needed. It doesn't matter. You just make that connection. But there are also times, and I've experienced this, where I look at a painting and I really appreciate it, but then I read this story behind it and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is of a place I visited 10 years ago, or this is reminds me of, like, it actually helps to really build that connection with your audience as well when they know what was going through your mind when you were creating it. And it can be a really beautiful thing for so many reasons. Even for um, media pitches, you know, that's always, I've always loved working with the media. Um, and I think that's what they're looking for are stories and uh, they are looking for positive stories. And usually visual artists are pretty, pretty positive. You can, you can speak of dark things too through your art. And that's, that's great. And I do certainly, but uh, I think the media want to find your own story and they'll give you a voice too. So that's, that's been really helpful in my practice. So not just like podcasts and, uh, but using your local media and then building that like community um, reputation as being an artist, you can start really local. You don't have to, you know, your, your local community can be really, really uplifting and um, helpful. Of course, it's nice to branch out um, globally and we have that, that opportunity through on online and meeting artists like that's how we we met right so I feel like I have a global community now which is fantastic but uh I, yeah I think it's not forgetting um your local connections and I have a, a group of local female artists um that we kind of get together we help each other out um and that's been really fantastic too and uplifting for for me and my practice and them, you know, so that's really good. Community is so important. I mean, I don't want to sound um, super redundant because I talk about the importance of community all the time, but only because I lacked a sense of community for so many years. Like I would say, you know, from the time that I graduated art school up until about three or four years ago. And so that was, a, you know, about seven years. And it's really important, even if it's a small community, a small group of artists. You know, another thing Liz Gilbert talks about in Big Magic is how her and a group of friends who were also writers would meet, I believe it was on a bi-weekly basis for years, you know, and they had like a funny name for their group, but it was really a place for them to just come together and talk about their writing. And I think it's really important for us to do that as artists as well. Um, but Camille, I want to just thank you so much for joining me today. It like truly, it has been an absolute pleasure to learn more about you and your journey. And I want to just wrap up by, you know, giving you an opportunity to share any final thoughts that you have with our audience. Final thoughts, I guess it's a, more of a wrap up of like how I, I view things. Um, I view things in a very open way. I am embracing new ideas, new opportunities, I go for it, even if I don't necessarily have experience in that, you know, but I trust that I am a creative person and I'll, I'll figure it out. So, you know, be brave with what you do because you'll, you'll have, you'll make better art if you feel braver. And I think that's what 
after art school or during art school, I was, I felt I was really, really brave uh, in my art and I was experimental. But that then after I was just focused on, oh, I need a, a gallery. I need to, to paint a certain way so that it's like commercial. And now um, with, with time and passion, finding the, my passion, I'm thinking less like that. I'm more into the um, experimenting, embracing new challenges, doing something new. And I think we can all take a page out of your book and just embrace trusting ourselves, not being afraid to branch out with our work and doing what we want to do and trusting that we are fully capable of making it happen. So with that, we will wrap up. Camille, thank you so much for joining me. I will include all of your information in the show notes. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com slash magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.